So good morning, everybody. Good to be worshiping with you this morning. If you're new to our online service, welcome. I'm Jeff Bills, lead pastor here at Hope Church, and I'm being joined this morning by Pastor Steve Hoadley, our worship pastor. And uh, so it's good to uh, be together with Steve. Um, We are wrapping up a series that we have been in for the past eight weeks. Actually, this is week eight of this series. We've been looking at the book of James and wisdom that we um, gain from God's word through this letter that James wrote. And so because we're at the end of this, we thought it would be an opportunity for us to do a quick review. Um, Each week we've had a little kind of takeaway sentence or phrase. And uh, so Steve and I are going to fly through these real quick um, before we get into the word for today. So we started this series by saying this, wisdom is not what you know, but what you do. It's not what you know, but what you do. And uh, so what we're recognizing there is that James talks about two kinds of wisdom, worldly wisdom, which is always short-sighted, always flawed, and always ultimately doomed to failure. And then godly wisdom, which is true and eternal. And so the challenge that James lays out is not to just know stuff about God's wisdom, but to actually act on it. So not to just talk Jesus, but to walk Jesus. Yeah, and as we walk through life, James knows that we're going to meet trials, we're going to meet troubles. And so week two, we talked about the fact that trials come, but God can use them to grow our faith. Because when we have faith... It is by trusting God in the places we cannot see. And that as we build that faith, endurance comes. And that endurance leads us to complete and, in a sense, perfect following of Jesus. The next week after that, we talked about that really a genuine faith is less about what you say and more about what you live. We actually had a couple weeks where we talked a lot about what we say And um, this week in particular, we recognize that if all we have is good words and no action behind them, they're really meaningless. If we see someone drowning and we say, hey, watch out or be careful, but we don't throw them a lifeline, then that's not a genuine faith. Jesus didn't just come to give us a new vocabulary. He gave us a new way to live. Amen. And then we uh, said that It's not about who you like, it's about who Jesus loves. It's not about who you like, but who Jesus loves. And so this is where James was talking about um, kind of prejudice and favoritism and how we treat people who are different than us. So whether it's somebody who has less money than us, a different skin color, a different cultural background, a different language, whatever it may be, that Jesus came for that man, for that woman to rescue them. He loved them, and we are called to love like Jesus did. So it's not just about uh, liking people like me, but we are called to love everyone because Jesus did. And then we talked about um, this uh, idea that came from Jesus himself, that out of the fullness of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the fullness of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so it was a recognition that the tongue is hardwired to the heart or really to the character. And so the tongue is sort of like a musical instrument, if you will. And um, 
if there's bad sounds coming from this tongue, we don't need to fix the instrument. We need to fix the instrumentalist. It's about changing our character or allowing the, uh, the work of the Spirit to change our character. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, James is a book of action. Yeah. But he also uh, understands and helps us unpack how that action works. Because in the next week, I think it was the sixth week, we, we learned that it's not really about what we do. It's about what God does in you. Right. And that's huge and important. You know, we don't do good works or not do bad things so that we earn God's love. In fact, it's almost the opposite. It is that God's love creates in us a new heart which moves us to do those things. And we have to choose a way to live. Are we going to live in God's kingdom or are we going to live in the kingdom of the world And in order to do that, we have to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. We have to uh, make sure that we are constantly seeking humility and that we are uh, resisting the devil, that we are pursuing Jesus, and that ultimately we have an undivided heart for him. And then last week we talked about it's not what you have, but what you do with what you have that counts. It's not what you have, but what you do with what you have that counts. And so we were looking at what James had to say about wealth and affluence and influence that we have and plans that we make, really saying that um, there's two perspectives. One is pride, which says it's all about me, and the other is humility, which says it's really about the Lord. And this recognition that everything that we have, all of the stuff of life, is a gift from God. Not just our physical stuff, our homes and our cars and our clothes and those kinds of things, but our time is a gift from God. Our plans can be a gift from God. And so how do we use all of the stuff of life, not just for our own benefit, but to bless others and ultimately to honor God? So that brings us up, and if um, you missed any of those, uh, Steve, they can go to our website, right? Yeah, sure, they can go to our website. They can also go to YouTube, Meet Hope Church. We have a YouTube channel, and you can watch all those services and messages back. Cool. So this morning, as we close out this series, and actually we're closing this series, but there's a bridge here, because we're going to begin next week a series on prayer. So we're closing out James, and he's talking about prayer, and uh, and then moving next week into a four-week series on prayer. So it's a bridge, which is very cool and very sophisticated of us, don't you think? All right. So chapter 5, beginning with verse 13... This is what James wrote. Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing songs of praises. Are any of you sick? You should call the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. So our takeaway this week is this. Prayer is not about being religious, but about being in relationship with the living God. Prayer is not about being religious, but about being in relationship with the living God. Now, James is writing to the church. He's not writing to individuals. So when he says you, 
it's the plural, it, it's y'all. Here's what y'all ought to do, okay? And he's saying that y'all ought to be a praying church. You should be praying. And um, that the church should be marked as a place of prayer. And so of all of the things that this church, Hope Church, is known for, I would love for us to be known as a praying church. You know, we're known in the community for different things. We're known um, as a very active place. People always see cars in our parking lot. People uh, have uh, known us as the uh, church that had a craft fair for years. Um, One guy told me that um, people that he works with call this church uh, the Bon Jovi Church. (laughs) Well, I mean, the reasons are obvious, right? The reason, well, it's the, the... the lead pastor looks like Bon Jovi as well, oh, I right, believe. Oh, right, right, right. That's yes, yes. pretty much what I think. Yeah. But whatever, um, I would love for us to be known as a praying church. And really, we are a praying church. Stephen, all of the major initiatives that this church has taken over nearly 30 years, before we have taken any major step, we do what I call saturate it with prayer. That we are praying about that for a period of time, often a month or longer, and calling our whole church to be in a season of prayer. So when we bought this property, we saturated it with prayer. When we built the building, we saturated it with prayer. When we uh, were looking to uh, buy the meeting place, we saturated that with prayer. When we started the Mount Laurel campus, we saturated that with prayer. Right now, we're in a prayer season. It's a difficult time that we are in with this uh, pandemic and all that's going along with it. And so we've been calling our church to prayer. And uh, so we have a prayer team and uh, invited people to join that prayer team. Every morning, Heather Mandela sends out an email calling uh, people to prayer and uh, a little devotional uh, is, is in there, right? Yeah, a scripture it. and then mm-hmm. some specific prayer things. Um, Steve, we have about 180 people uh, who are signed up for that, which is cool, but you know, there's probably 600 or so watching this uh, service right now. And so I know there's some of you who haven't signed up for uh, the prayer team yet. All you need to do is send a uh, request to Heather, heather at meethope.org, and uh, just say, I want to be part of the prayer team, and she'll add your name to that. And every day we're praying together through this difficult season. So we want to be a a church of prayer. That's what James calls the church to be. And then he gives some specifics. He says, so are you facing hard times? Are these difficult times? You should pray. Well, these are difficult times. And I know that some of you are thinking, well, that's a duh. You know, like, of course you pray in hard times. Uh, Some of you might even be saying, you know, that's probably the time I'm most committed to prayer, that You know, I'm hit or miss at times with prayer, but when things get tough, man, I am praying. I'm on my knees asking God for help. But you know, that's not true of everybody. For some folks, when hard times come, you're kind of brokenhearted by that. It it kind of crushes your spirit. You get discouraged and maybe even feel disappointed in God that you're in that situation, maybe angry with God. And if that's where you are in difficult times, I want to say that you're in good company. Moses felt that way. Jacob felt that way. David felt that way. Men and women throughout scripture, when they went through hard times, experienced disappointment, if you will, with God and anger, but they gave voice to that. They spoke those words to God. They let God know how they're feeling and what they're thinking. 
And so they shared that with God, and you can do that as well. Some of you, though, uh, when hard times come, you get busy, right? You want to fix this. You want to make it better. You sure. want to get at it and fix it, and you're, you're too busy to pray. Mm-hmm. And what I want to say to you is that you're, we should never be too busy to pray. And there are some things, friends, that we just can't fix. We do our best, but we may not be able to fix it. And so in those times... James reminds us that we need to come to God in prayer. And even if you don't feel like it, in the words of the Nike commercial, right, just do it. Do it. If you're struggling, pray. Then he says, but if you're happy, you should sing songs of praise to God. And Steve ought to be doing this one because it's about singing and you're the worship pastor and we should be singing. You should be singing right now. I should be singing yeah. You don't invite me on to the praise team. What can I tell you? So I sing on my own without that. You know, when we get together in worship, you may wonder, why do we sing? You know, like, is that just like the, what is that all about? We get together every Sunday when we get together mm-hmm. and we sing. Why do we do that? It's a kind of prayer. We're expressing right. to God our joy, our worship. You know, we just said that that. Prayer demonstrates our relationship with God. What kind of relationship would it be if the only th- way that you ever expressed yourself was with your, when you were facing hardships and disappointments and so forth? That would be a very one-dimensional kind of relationship. Mm-hmm. We bring our joys, we bring our um, blessings and our praises to God when we gather together. So when we get together and people are singing, even if you're in a hard time, a difficult time, by hearing the praise and worship of others, it can lift your spirit, even if it's just for those few moments, as together we bring our praise and our worship to God. And singing just seems like the right thing to do. <laughs> you Sometimes know? you just got to sing. Sometimes you got to sing. A uh, friend of mine got married uh, earlier this year, back in January before the pandemic hit, and um, I've known this guy for 20 years. I never heard this guy sing ever, you know, and he was, he was just a regular guy, but, you know, singing wasn't something he did. So after the wedding, we're in the reception, and he comes up uh, to the front, and I thought he was going to make a toast. But the band came up with music, and all of a sudden, this guy is belting out the wonder of you to his new wife. Wow. And I just thought, there it is, right? That's the full heart overflowing and singing songs of praise. That's what we need to do in our relationship with God. And then lastly, in these uh, passages that I just read, James says, and if you're sick, here's what you need to do. You need to call the elders together. You need to have them pray over you and anoint you with oil and um, that you can find healing and forgiveness and so forth. There's a lot to unpack there. Unfortunately, we don't have time to get into questions like why isn't everybody healed and what's with the anointing oil and who are the elders and so forth. Really what the takeaway from that part is when you're sick, when you're sick, don't go into your cave. Call on the church call on the community of faith to surround you, to lift you in prayer, and to minister to you. Allow the church to do that, and when you do, you'll find healing, you'll find comfort, you'll find even forgiveness in those places that you need forgiveness, but that's a community kind of experience. So when we do these uh, prayer emails, sometimes, you know, it's folks that are sharing 
the experience of being sick or somebody that they care for is sick and it allows us to surround that person with our prayers. Prayer is a community event. It really is. And uh, the passage continues by using this thread of community. Yep. That, ki- that prayer is connected to community. So James continues in verse 16. And it says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So it's not just a community, but it's also confession. Confession is such an important part of what prayer means for us and God. And as I've been trying to think about this idea of confession, I've been using a phrase um, as a way to think about it. You know, confession is uh, God revealing to us or or, um, bringing us into self-awareness and speaking difficult truths. Uh, Confession isn't fun. It's it's not easy. It's not a good time to think of all the ways that I may have failures or faults or folly in my life, and yet we are called to do it. And, you know, you can't just say, well, I know I'm not perfect, so why do we need a type of prayer just to emphasize the fact? But when we have that type of response to confession, it's part of the reasons why we need to do it. And so maybe there are some of us, we don't confess because... It just hurts our confidence. You know, we feel defeated. We, we feel like we've let ourselves or others down. We begin to compare ourselves to others. Maybe we feel guilt. Maybe we feel shame and pain. Others of us, maybe they don't confess because we're literally running from God. We're trying to bury our head in the sand and hide from God because if we admit the ways we've fallen short, surely then God is going to strike us down with a lightning bolt from heaven. Surely then we're going to get what we deserve. And so we pretend that we have these areas of our life that we need to confess Mm. under control. But confession doesn't create sin. It doesn't make us sinners. It doesn't make the mistakes that have already happened. It aligns ourselves with God's word and the Holy Spirit and reveals to us who we are. But this is the encouragement for us, Jeff, today. It's that confession is not those things that you might be afraid of. It's not a death sentence. It is not saying I'm putting in a guilty plea and there's no opportunity for parole. In fact, confession is the exact opposite. That's why God calls us to do it. The Apostle John says, if we confess our sins, if we confess our sins, he God is faithful, God is just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, confession is the path to repentance. Repentance brings life, it brings healing. It's turning around from doing life our way and turning to follow Christ to do life his way. Confession is for our good, it brings us healing. Confess so that you may be healed. I think there's three ways that we can find healing when we have this type of prayer in our life. The first way is between us and God. Us and God can be healed when we recognize that Jesus has come, right? Jesus has come and died so that we would have life. But he requires us to ask. And so we have to be honest with him that it's my pride. 
that it's my disobedience, that it's my shortcomings that have separated God and myself. And when we do that, we confess, we receive forgiveness. Ultimately, healing begins by having the relationship with the God of the universe restored between us and him. But it's not just that relationship. It's also us on the inside. It's a holistic healing, our mind and our body and our soul, that we begin through confession to wrestle with the difficult truths that we might be denying or that we might be running from or that we might be trapped in fear because of. And if that's you today, I just want to lift up this quote I found in preparing for this talk. It says, if regular confession does not produce an increased confidence and joy in your life, then you do not understand the salvation by grace, which is the essence of our faith. We don't get our lives together and then come to God. We come to God and he puts our lives together. It also heals, confession also heals us and others. As it says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. Community. We often say Christianity is a team sport. And maybe some of you are saying to yourselves, whoa, 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 whoa. It is enough for me to confess that I have some things going on wrong let alone talk to God about those things that are going on wrong. You want me to tell someone else about that? (laughs) might seem crazy to some, but that's what God is calling us. And yes, it matters who we do that to, and yes, it should be mutual, but it reminds us of something so important. Because when we recognize, Jeff, that all of us, all of us are the same, that we're all in need of grace, every one of us, that we are brothers and sisters who have met each other at the foot of the cross. We could feel safe to express what's going on in our hearts, in our lives, to be real and honest with each other. In that space, we don't find condemnation from confession We find healing from confession. We find accountability and trust in our community. He continues, and James says, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. The earnest prayer, the sincere prayer, the intent prayer, the passionate prayer of a righteous person. Not a perfect person, so don't think if you're listening to this verse, it doesn't apply to me because I'm not in the righteousness category. No, no, no. A righteous person is one who has been saved by Jesus and who is following Jesus. If that's you, this verse is about you. James is talking about your prayers, my prayers, Jeff, your prayers, our prayers being powerful. Because prayer isn't about being religious. Right. It's about being in relationship with the living God. And so James wants to make this point clear. And he goes on in verses 17 and 18 and says, Elijah was as human as we are. And yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, no, one, no rain fell for three and a half years. Then when he prayed again, The sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crops. Now, some of you may know who Elijah was. 
But if you don't, Elijah was chosen by James as the example because Elijah was one of the greatest prophets in the history of Israel. He spoke truth to power. He opposed the the, uh, prophets of Baal in this crazy fire throwdown and battle. He... um, He never died. He was carried to heaven on chariots of fire. He was a legend, a demigod. He was the goat, okay? (laughs) He was the greatest of all time. And yet, what does James say we are like to him? He says, he's just as human as we are. Right. Elijah's just as human as we are. And so James is saying, it's not just the anointed who have power in prayer. It's not just the prophets who have power in prayer. It's not just the pastors. It's not just the leaders. It's not just the eloquent or the Bible scholar or the theologian or the religious person. You have power in prayer. Your prayers matter to God. You know, when I was growing up in the 1980s, I don't know if there's any children of the 80s out there, we had an uh, a animated television show and, and toys that came along with it called He-Man. I was a big fan of He-Man. And He-Man, every single week, would grab this sword and he would say, I have the power. I feel a little silly saying that. I feel silly sitting next well, to you. thank you. So we want everyone at home to do that. Everyone <laughs> yeah. at home, go ahead sure. and say... We know you're not going to say that, but it's to illustrate this point. You do have the power that Jesus has given us access to the God of the universe and that he has given us a way to receive power from God in prayer. So pray, pray for your spouse, pray for your children, pray for your family, pray for your job. Pray for your town and your state and your country and its leaders. Pray for those who are sick. Pray for those who are in trouble. Pray for yourself. Pray that you would be able to confess and receive God's forgiveness. Pray that you would have wisdom and discernment. Pray that you would have the ability to endure difficult circumstances. Pray your prayers have power because prayer is not about Being a religious person. Prayer is about being in relationship with the living God. Amen. So let's do that now. Let's let's take a moment and pray, and then uh, we'll uh, let the band lead us out. Let's pray. God, we confess that uh, we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by things that we have done and by things that we have left undone. And we are sorry for that, God, and ask that you would... Forgive us our sin and remember them no more. Lord, for those times that are hard, we pray that you would give us strength. For those times of rejoicing, God, we don't want to leave you out of the party. We want to share our joy with you and our praise to you. And Lord, when we're sick, we're struggling physically, or uh, emotionally, relationally, uh, Lord, we need you to heal us to forgive us in the broken places, and to make us whole. So we call upon you, Lord, not as a religious act, but as our Father in heaven, the one who knows us and loves us, 
Hear our prayer. Heal our land. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.